Hi everyone, I'm Kyle Dyer and welcome to Colorado Inside Out on this Friday, March the 3rd. Colorado lawmakers have had a very busy week, as have those who are vying to be Denver's next mayor. And the same is true for the Denver leader who is looking to move into a federal position. To go through all of that and some more, we have a bright panel for you today, which includes Patty Calhoun, founder and editor of Westward, along with Krista Kafer, columnist for the Denver Post, Eric Sonderman, columnist for Colorado Politics and the Denver and Colorado Springs Gazettes, and Marianne Goodland, chief legislative reporter for Colorado Politics and the Colorado Springs Gazette. Great to have all of you here with us tonight. Um, it is with the heaviest, heaviest of hearts, that we extend condolences to the family of Luis Garcia. Luis passed away this week following being shot a few weeks ago as he was leaving East High School, allegedly by two other teenagers. The escalating violence is a concern statewide, but it's especially being talked a lot about by the candidates who are running to be the next mayor of Denver. Patty, we missed you last week at our mayoral forum that we had over the Botanic Gardens, um, where safety was a big issue. Well, I have to say, you guys safely did an excellent job at that forum. I watched it Sunday night when I got back into town, and it was really educational. It taught us a lot about the city and the different candidates. And one of the things we realize is that the two hottest issues in this, in this campaign are what to do about homelessness and what to do about crime and violence. The shooting outside East High is so tragic, and Luis just died this week. It wasn't in the school, and DPS has been very clear about the fact that it isn't in the school, that East High has been taking a lot of precautions, but it still affects all the students, all the parents, anyone who lives in the city. And what do we do about the increasingly younger people who are committing crimes? There's a trial going on right now, a 14-year-old who shot a woman in a car going along the Auraria Parkway. It's just really tragic. They're getting younger. So many young kids also have been killed this year in Denver. I think it's seven times what it was last year. And that's who has a good solution to that. I'm not sure we've heard that yet, including at the forum. Yeah, they all offer different ideas. Krista. You know, I, uh, in the early 90s, I went to New York City and actually saw crimes committed in front of me. I was actually part of the tour, apparently. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was known to be a very violent city until we had, a, a at the time, a wonderful mayor, um, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who's since gone, you know, batty. But at the time, he was a superb mayor and brought in a lot of different kinds of policing and changed the culture of that city and made it a much safer city, a much cleaner city. The subsequent times I went, I never actually saw crimes committed, um, which is, you know, I guess uh, a little bit uh, tamer version of a, of a fun time. But I, I think that's what we need in this city. We need a strong mayor. And I think Bruff, Spearman, Rouge out, any of those people will be uh, the kind of mayor the city needs, which is to come in and change the culture, not just with policing. Um, you know, you, you've got policing, you've got the you know, broken windows philosophy needs to be brought back in where small stuff, you pay attention to the small stuff. You don't let windows stay broken. You clean it up. You clean up the city. That's what the city needs. Mm -hmm. Eric, your takeaway from the last week when we sat next to each other. My supposition about this mayor's race is that there's something afoot in this city which is unusual for Denver. And I think, you know, Patty and Krista reference that there is a changing mood and a changing tolerance um, for criminal activity. Uh, a city that leans left on most political issues, and Denver certainly does these days, I don't think is in quite such a progressive mindset when it comes to crime. I look at the mayoral election that was just held a couple of days ago in Chicago, where the 
the candidate of the police union. He still has to face a runoff, but came out of the first run round with a very substantial advantage. I look what is going on in Los Angeles, even the ultra-lefty city of San Francisco, Portland, etc. There is a sea change in public attitude going on right now. And uh, that's the subject of my column coming this weekend. But I think there's a disconnect in this mayoral race between what a lot of candidates are talking about and what a lot of voters are experiencing and feeling and wanting. Marianne. Um, one of the things that I've been looking at is how this is playing out in the legislature. We have two candidates uh, from the legislature who are in the mayor's race, Chris Hansen from the Senate and Leslie Harrod from the House. And when you look at public safety as the made, what shaping up to be the major issue in this, Hansen doesn't have a reputation for dealing with that issue. He's been a climate change guy um, primarily, although he's worked on a lot of uh, tax issues as well. And he has continued down that path as a lawmaker. He's, he's running bills like that this year. Leslie Harrod cut her teeth on police accountability and criminal justice reform. She was one of the uh, main sponsors of the police accountability bill a couple of years ago. However, if you look at what she's working on this year, what you're going to come up with is nothing. She hasn't introduced a single bill. She's only serving on one committee that's only met twice so far to work on legislation. So it begs the question about what is it that she's working on. Okay. All right. Um, after a eight-month delay, President Biden's pick to be the new head of the Federal Aviation Administration, Phil Washington, answered questions before a congressional hearing, confirmation hearing on Wednesday. Washington is the current head of Denver International Airport. And Krista, his boss, Mayor Michael Hancock, was right behind him at the hearing. I bet it was nice to have the support. Um, in many ways, Phil Washington is a very strong candidate. Having run RTD, he's got an experience with bureaucracies, and he's had some experience with a big airport. And by big, it's the third largest in terms of traffic of, in the world. It's a, it's a big airport. But that said, there's been some you know, a couple mistakes on his on his tenure. Whether they're, I don't know that we can blame him, but some things have gone wrong. And I I think that the Republicans are are asking some good questions about does he have the aviation experience necessary to take over this agency. That said, as I looked at the kind of back and forth between Democrats and Republicans over a very respectable candidate for this job, I couldn't help but think that there must be something else going on here, that perhaps Republicans are using this, 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 this instant to... Uh, to, to get something that they want from the Biden administration, because Phil Washington is a good candidate. The, the, the issues that, they, that they've raised are good issues. But my guess is that this is about something a little bit bigger, and there's some bargaining going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of. Yes, Senator Ted Cruz, Eric from Texas, was the one that really kind of went after Phil Washington. Well, sometimes you get lucky and your enemies. Uh, just as Joe Biden prospered in the State of the Union speech by having you know, the Lauren Boberts and particularly the Marjorie Taylor Greens and others heckling him. Uh, if uh, Phil Washington has to pick an antagonist, I suspect uh, he would be okay with having Ted Cruz be that antagonist. I don't usually quote Donald Trump, but I remember on one of Trump's Supreme Court nominations, he was, I guess, Cruz was potentially in the mix for consideration for the appointment. 
and Trump joked that uh, Cruz would go through the Senate 100 to 0 because all of his fellow senators, Democrat or Republican, would want him out of there. Um, so he's not, he's not the most popular uh, senator among his colleagues. Uh, I agree with a lot of what Krista said. I think the important questions have been raised, yet Phil Washington is a credible nominee to this agency. Uh, the agency needs some work. Uh, our aviation system needs some work, but uh, DIA could also use a little bit of work, as anyone who's traveled through there recently can attest. Yes, I mean, these things always turn political, Marianne, and you work amongst politicians all the time. Is it expected, because of the Senate, that he will pass through? I, there's one thing that Cruz and some of the Republicans raised that I've, that I've sort of looked at and thought, that's really an interesting question. Uh, Washington has a 20-year history as a uh, in the military, and the requirement for the head of the FAA is that they be a civilian. So there's a question about whether or not he would be allowed to serve as head of the FAA and that he would have to obtain a waiver from both chambers. I'm not sure that you would get Republicans willing to sign off on that waiver. That I, that I could see as the only, I mean, it's a technicality, but as we know, that politics works a lot on technicalities. And if he weren't to get the FAA job, the next mayor will be appointing the new head of DIA, right? That's, so he yeah. could be out of that. Okay, Marianne. So Eric was talking about traveling through DIA. You, you and I have traveled to DIA a lot. This time, coming home this week, there are so many different twists and turns to that airport. And you know, my daughter, we were looking at colleges, and she's a senior in high school. She goes, this won't be finished till I'm graduated from college? <laughs> 28, right? Well, we've all gotten an education in just how long it can take to do a huge public works project, especially when it goes the wrong direction in the beginning. Yeah. But I have to give Bill Washington credit for coming in. You know, he wasn't an aviation expert when we hired him at DIA either. You know, he came from buses, buses in the military. And he has managed to get DIA back on track, whether it's him or the fact that he can hire the right people. And that's something we've got to put in perspective. He doesn't have to know how to fly a plane, which Ted Cruz grabbed the barf bag was asking about. <laughs> you just need to know you can hire the right people. So I think Phil Washington has done a pretty good job at DIA. If he, he would do probably just as good a job at the FAA if he withstands the one, the military man problem. And also he's got a couple strange little lawsuits out there, but mm -hmm. who doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> okay. You win a gold star for today, Patty. Denver-based company Dominion Voting Systems made big headlines this week and released some uh, court filings as part of its $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox News Channel. Eric, this week's revelations are really getting harder for Fox to ignore. Well, I did not know barf bag was going to become the theme of the show, but I can probably bring it into this one either. I think Fox's behavior... Uh, going back to the election, uh, the 2020 election, it was just reprehensible. It is one thing to be a purveyor of fake news and false news. It is another thing to do it knowing, fully knowing that it is a false. And to my mind, the crime, and I use that word loosely, is as much about the insincerity as it is about, and, and it's, as it is about the news itself. And it's an insult to their viewers. Now, they're pandering to their viewers, and in this era we live in, in which 
news is so much about echo chambers and preaching to the choir, you understand why they were pandering. But it is nonetheless a pander. It is a disservice of the highest proportions. The test for that Dominion has to pass, I'm not a lawyer, but the legal test that they have to pass approving malice is a high bar. But it strikes me they're coming pretty darn close to that bar, and I hope they clear it, and I hope Fox pays through the nose so much for fair and balanced. Point six billion too. This is a huge suit, Marianne. It is, and and the thing that's interesting about this is is that this this would be a precedent-setting um, example uh, of malice and, and defamation, uh, the a lot of the legal opinions that I'm seeing, every time there's another release of all these different, um, these facts coming out of, with regard to Fox's behavior, you see another batch and then growing batch of attorneys who are saying, this looks like Dominion might might have this one. They might be able to do something that almost nobody has, ever, has been able to do, maybe going back to New York Times v. Sullivan, which is... Uh, to prove that there was malice. And, and on that, and I want to pivot on that, off of that a little bit, down in Florida, a state law lawmaker has introduced legislation to allow uh, Florida ch to challenge New York Times v. Sullivan, stripping journalists of their First Amendment protections, such as keeping sources confidential, which I tell you will strike, the, uh, strike fear into the heart of every journalist operating in that state. I hadn't heard that. Um, again, for, for people who, just to catch up, you know, Fox News Channel said Dominion, which is based here, their machines were full of fraud, and that's what, why the election went a certain way. Right, and that started shortly after the election in November. So Dominion used to be based in the old spaghetti factory building in Lodo. They had to move out because of the threats that came. They were moving out really within a month of that election because Fox News and others were beating the drum saying there had been election fraud that had been allowed, if not orchestrated, by Dominion, which is a major provider of voting systems around the country. But as you look through the depositions now, and you can find them online on the Dominion site, the motion for summary judgment that was filed last week, or in February, you have Fox News people admitting they knew that Sidney Powell was lying, that Rudy Giuliani was lying, that their accusations were not true, and they still put them on the air and let them repeat them. And Rupert Murdoch, in a deposition, admitted that he could have pulled those people off, but he didn't. And that's what's raising it to a new level. They knew it was false, and yet they still repeated it. And Dominion really suffered. The employees have truly suffered. And Fox is not reporting on this. I saw their media critic says, I'm not allowed to, which perhaps is illegal. They can't. But we're not hearing anything. He at least it. was allowed to say, I can't report on it, and yeah. I disagree with that. But still, it's, yeah. it's a precedent-setting case yes. in so many ways. And journalists work hard. We don't need the people from Fox knowingly putting on falsehoods because we try to get everything right. And when we don't, we retract, we correct. Right. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I love this Dominion lawsuit because it's like a wrecking ball through all of this BS. People who repeatedly said false things over and over again, and that is, that's libelous. You cannot do that. You cannot repeatedly say or repeatedly suggest something that is not true. And it is not a victimless crime. The uh, people who've worked at Dominion, Dominion itself, has suffered. 
um, whether it's death threats or, or you know, all kinds of things that, that they've suffered. And it's time, it's definitely time to pay up. I think what Fox did is particularly egregious, maybe I could call it barf-worthy, um, is that they very cynically knew that it was false what these people were saying and, you know, are, are, are kind of emailing each other back and forth of like, yeah, this person's a total nut job, but we're putting him on anyway because we want to save our brand. Well, what you did is you took your brand, which is, you know, Fox is what it is, CNN, MSNBC, they are what they are. They're all three a little tabloidy. But what they did is they ultimately destroyed the reputation and Fox will have to rebuild that now uh, because of, the, of this, uh, this lawsuit. So kudos to Dominion, knock this stuff out. Uh, Marianne, this week you wrote several articles about affordability of homes and the, the, what people are trying to do to make them more affordable. Um, this, this, the one story that, that I've been focused on mostly this week is what's going on in Erie. They are building a 1,200-acre uh, development up there that's a public-private partnership, multimodal transportation. They're gonna, they would like to see a new I-25 interchange up there. Uh, light industry, retail, doctor's offices, schools, everything. People would be, and, and I, I titled this story, Recreating Main Street, because that's, that's what this is doing. So this does everything the governor says he wants without treading on the authority of local governments. Um, the other thing that we've got going on right now is a right of first refusal bill, and that uh, cleared the, the, its first committee this week. Um, I've, I've heard varying different things, which is it, this is going to be a great idea for allowing local governments to buy apartment buildings when they come up for sale. Um, real estate attorneys who have been working in the affordable housing space for decades say that this is not the solution. Okay. And there's also a lot of talk about landlords and whether what rights landlords have to, yes, I'll resign you, Patty, or no, I'm kicking you out. Well, in, in Denver, two years ago, almost two years ago now, city council approved the new uh, legislation for that, which is landlords have to register if they have multi-use apartment, apartments, and maybe, what, 10% made the deadline by January 1. They also now have to give tenants a really specific list of their rights, which is good, and if tenants find them not being followed, they can actually complain to the city. It's taking off slowly, but it's really important. Landlords have really had all the big rights in this state for the last 20, 30 years. It could be that we're not going to get rent control. We're not going to be able to bring the prices down that much, but people should at least get habitable places for the amount they're paying. And that's one of the big problems we have. A lot of landlords are great, but there are a few bad apples, and we've written about several of them, who are just taking horrible advantage of people. Which, Krista, which things do you think will come out, be passed in terms of affordability in the legislature this session? Well, I think the, a number of these bills are just bad bills. They're actually going to make things less affordable. Um, if, if you look at uh, rent control, for example, whether it's Paul Krugman or Thomas Sowell, the left and the right, they agree that rent control actually reduces the quality and quantity of housing stock. So I have deep concerns about those. And as far as the, there's also a, a medical bill that would uh, allow, uh, if, you have, uh, if you have medical debt, it would not show up in your consumer report. And I get the impetus behind this. I've had medical debt myself. My experience is that they are, most medical providers will, will put you on a payment plan, but I know other people are very are struggling to pay things back and they to have that seen in their credit report is frustrating. On the other hand, critics are saying, hey, we need to know if somebody is 
financially unstable before we rent them money, rent them money, before we loan them money. I, you know, I get affordability. Um, there are things, that, you want to make things a little bit affordable, uh, lower our taxes, give us a little more money in our pockets so that we can spend money on the things that we need. Eric? I'm going to pick up largely on where Krista was. There's no doubt affordability is the issue. I guess you could say the same about crime and homelessness, but uh, affordability is at the very top of the issues, and, and Governor Politz and others have certainly highlighted it, and that's had taken some positive steps in that direction, and we'll hope the legislature takes a few positive steps. I agree with Krista on this medical debt bill. I get the issue, and I get how medical debt can be catastrophic to some and completely overwhelming, um, and it shouldn't necessarily saddle them or their reputation for the rest of their life. But the flip side of that is somebody's going to have to pay those bills. And, you know, does that just result in higher insurance rates for other people when insurance rates are plenty high? Uh, except, or those without insurance but are self-pays, somebody is always going to pay. There is no free lunch. If, if anyone can identify the free lunch in this society, they are beyond me. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. Now it is time to kick off our lightning round with our panelists talking about the good and the bad that transpired during this week. Let's start off with the bad or how this panel sometimes refers to as the disgrace of the week. Well, talk about affordability. Gas in Colorado right now. So bad. Everyone's always wondered what Suncor does. I think now we know. <laughs> but why the state doesn't do a better job of monitoring Suncor to be sure it's not emitting noxious fumes, it's not making people sick, and it's producing gas. Let's see what it takes to get it back online and put a few pennies back in our pockets. Mm -hmm. Aren't we the fifth most expensive state right now for gasoline? Because that's the only place you get it here. Yep. I'm going to give my hat tip, um, if you want to call it disgrace of the week that, to uh, the crazy lefties you know, uh, pounding the podium outside of the Supreme Court building. The Supreme Court was hearing the case of the unconstitutional loan transfer program whereby Biden wants to take the loans that people have taken out for their education and used for their education and transfer those to the taxpayer. And there are obviously some people who weren't too happy about that. And they were a little nutty uh, on the day of the, those arguments. Well, I think disgrace might be a little strong for this, but it's certainly a negative, and people know better in my book. At the forum a week ago uh, at Botanic Gardens, Kyle, that you and Elena Alvarez and I did, uh, I asked a direct question, a yes-no question to, uh, to all 10 candidates of whether they were taking money, uh, campaign contribution money from West Side Investment Partners or any other affiliates, officers, et cetera, uh, who are the developers behind the Park Hill Golf Course property, all hands stayed down, not a single person acknowledged it. As Kyle Harris and Denverite has since pointed out, Mike Johnston has taken such money, Chris Hansen has taken such money, Debbie Ortega has taken such money, and Debbie Ortega also has a record in the past of taking money from West Side. Uh, these people know where they're getting their money and they know better, and let's own up to it. Okay, Marianne. Uh, on Thursday, the um, and, and we're now in the uh, Women's History Month, um, the Colorado legislature had a resolution ostensibly to recognize the 100th anniversary of the Equal Rights Amendment. And it turned into a big fight in the House with the far right of the House Republican Caucus uh, going on about a whole lot of different things, some of which had nothing to do with the Equal Rights Amendment, but most notably what Democrats called very transphobic language that they wanted to insert into uh, this resolution. 
Uh, those things did not succeed, although most of the Republicans did vote for them. But in the end, seven Republicans voted for the clean version of the resolution, including the House Minority Leader. It was a very strange morning in the House. Okay. Now let's talk about some good, something that was really excellent this week. Well, at the at stroke of midnight on Tuesday, the Fair Election Fund was cut off. And when you look at who's running this year, you look at the people who are on the stage at, during your forum, when you look at all the other candidates, you realize the Fair Election Fund has really done a great job in bringing out candidates we might not have seen. We'll see if we actually make the numbers add up to the $8 million, which is what is, was allotted. But it did, in a lot of ways, what it meant to, which is get new candidates out there. Yeah, I agree. So earlier this week, I was burning sticks in a barrel in my backyard. I, yeah, I was burning sticks. And there was a lot of smoke, and one of my neighbors called the fire department. South Metro Fire shows up. Um, and, you know, we, we, I learned a little bit more about fire safety. They were very professional, very friendly. And it was a little like one of those calendars, honestly. They were very handsome. And so my shout-out is to South Metro Fire for giving me kind of a, a calendar moment. <laughs> Gosh, Krista. Okay, Eric. Uh, when Krista starts burning those sticks on a regular basis, I think we will now You'll know, know. Uh, the, the reason for that. Uh, how about a shout-out to the Upper Basin states on the Colorado River for not automatically going along and, uh, and, and exerting some power over the refilling of Lake Powell. Uh, obviously, water wars are going to be the story of our future over the next 10 or 20 years in this state. And it's time we exert a little power, as we did there, to try to bring California to the table in a responsible way. Marianne. I want to give a shout out to two mountain communities who are about to have some great fun. Um, Estes Park has acquired uh, Frozen Dead Guys Days, at, which <laughs> is going to be taking place here in mid-March the same weekend as St. Patrick's Day, so Estes Park is going to be lit this year. <laughs> uh, so congratulations to them, and I hope everybody has a great time. The, the weekend after that, uh, Netherland has now started its own, uh, another festival that they're calling Netter Days that has everything from uh, races and music, and it looks to be a wonderful uh, time to get up and go, go visit Netherland. I love Netherland. All right, thanks, you all. Thanks for joining us tonight. And thanks for watching at home. We appreciate it. You can catch the show anytime and share it with a friend by going to pbs12.org. And that's also where, as Eric was mentioning, you can find a lot of content pertaining to the Denver mayoral election. I am Kyle Dyer. I will see you next week here on PBS 12.